Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Let's talk about wildfires and prisons. That was the headline of my colleague Penn Harshaw's latest column. And in that column was a video posted from this past weekend of a crew of incarcerated firefighters who showed up to a man's home in Vacaville just in time. Before they arrived, the man was using pool water to try and save his home. So, yeah, let's talk about wildfires and prisons. This is not a hired, sustainable labor force for the state. You know, it's a, it's a prison labor force. There aren't enough people to battle the huge fires burning across the state because some of the incarcerated people who've worked as firefighters were released early to stop COVID-19 from spreading. It's yet another way the pandemic intersects with these wildfires and with criminal justice. Today, how California relies on incarcerated people to fight fires. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. Welcome to the Bay. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as like the place to be California, the land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. Samantha Vetter, she's from Santa Cruz, um, but she was serving time in a prison camp in Southern California. Kevin Stark is a science reporter for KQED. She's part of this inmate firefighting program that California has, and um, it's quite difficult to get into. 
um, the last few months, um, I was at Puerto La Cruz Conservation Camp, CC number 14 in Warner Springs. You have to go through firefighter training, you have to go through physical fitness training, and then you actually get to camp and um, you're basically just on call for when the state needs you and you respond to the largest wildfires that California has. We went to several fires down in, um, in the San Bernardino area. And um, the biggest one was the Beaumont fire, the Apple fire. So Samantha is one of about 1,300 people who were fighting wildfires in California this summer. She was on a crew of 12 or 16 women. Uh, you know, there's only three f- fire camps that have female firefighters in this program. Uh, so it's a, a pretty, pretty unique position that she was in. And what kind of work was she doing? Like, how dangerous was it? So the inmate firefighters do the most difficult and the hardest work of firefighting. They're working with hand tools, with chainsaws, with, you know, rakes and and shovels. And when we talk about the fires and the percent contained, like this is the, the grueling handwork that goes into that. You're oftentimes you're in very, very rural, rugged conditions. You're hiking miles to get to where you need to need to be. And you're literally just working across the landscape. Sometimes seems like it's a struggle with all the weight we carry and just you know, every day just thinking, am I going to get through this day, like, without getting taken off the line? You know, it was challenging, but it was definitely rewarding and worth it. She's really kind of exhilarated, I think, by the 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 work of it. She talks about feeling sort of a sense of purpose, a sense of teamwork, like you're you're really kind of doing something to to help the community and to help the state. And then just like the actual work of it, like being out in the wilderness, being in an active firefight, you know, doing kind of hand-to-hand combat with with uh, the biggest wildfires in the state, I think she found it pretty exhilarating. It helped change my life yeah. um, and gave me inspiration to um, and motivation to uh, continue bettering my life and make positive changes. When she was released, where did she end up? So she was serving time in this program. One thing to know about the program is the minute you set foot in fire camp, you already have time reduced from your sentence. So she's she's going into the camp knowing that. Well, the rule was the second you touched down on camp soil, they took 50% of the time that you had left. So um, I got a year taken off. And because of the coronavirus crisis, was paroled early. And she went home. And when she got home, there was a giant wildfire that started in her town. One of the many fires in just the last hour, evacuations actually expanded for people in San Mateo and Santa Cruz counties. That wildfire just exploded overnight. And, you know, uh, at this moment, she's like, I've got the training. I was literally just doing this work. I want to be out there. Well, it's hard because I was raised in the San Lorenzo Valley and um, my hometowns are on fire right now. And it's hard sitting here knowing that the ash that's raining down on me is the redwoods that I grew up around burning up. But, but, you know, that it, there's not an opportunity for her to do that. The barriers for her are quite high. And why isn't Samantha allowed to help um, fight these fires? Well, she would have to be hired by 
Cal Fire, the state fire agency, or one of the local fire agencies. And the thing about being hired by a local community, you know, county fire department is they often require you to have a paramedics license. In in the state of California, it's very difficult to be a certified paramedic if you have a felony on your record. Can she call Cal Fire to like volunteer even? Well, and she did. She did. You know, she was at this um, transitional house and, and watching the images of this fire. And she just she just started cold calling Cal Fire in Santa Cruz and said, you know, let me let me out there. And they told her that the best thing for her to do in that moment, if she wanted to participate, was to be to, to help at the evacuation centers. Um, yeah, he said my best bet was to just go down there and present myself. Like, I may not be out on the line doing, like, fire personnel stuff, but um, I could at least help and give back to the community that way, you know? So, you know, a few weeks ago, she is incarcerated in the California state prison system and is allowed to, to fight forest fires. But, you know, when she's paroled and now is an actual citizen, the, the barriers for her to do that are quite high. How short are we on firefighters and firefighting resources this year? We're working in a deficit. Too much fire and not enough people to fight. It's a problem much of the state is facing right now. I mean, if we look back to last year, the Kincaid fire, which was one of the largest in the state, burned 70,000 acres. You know, at the high point, there was over 5,000 firefighters on that fire. So think about now that we're a week into this and we still don't even have that number on any of the fires. Uh, It just speaks to the fact that the state resources are stretched incredibly thin. How much of this shortage has to do with the release of people like Samantha? Like, how much does California rely on on people who are incarcerated to fight these fires on a regular basis? The thing to know is that in past years, we've had a much larger number of inmate firefighters to lean on, especially to do the work of containment, which is one area where we're really short right now. We're short on hand crews. The governor recognizing that they were going to be short on inmate firefighters this year because of two reasons. One is that the coronavirus was causing lockdowns in in the state prison system. So for most of July, half of the state's inmate firefighter population was quarantined to their beds because they were potentially exposed to the coronavirus. Uh, And the other reason is because of these early releases. The inmate firefighter program is not going to get to full capacity this year, which means the state is not going to be able to lean on those firefighters to do that essential work of containing the fires. And the state has relied on this program for a long time, right? Yeah, absolutely. So this is something I've been thinking thinking a lot about. So the inmate firefighter program dates all the way back to the end of World War II. It has existed for a very, very long time. In recent years, it's sort of functioned with this bargain, where on the state side, the state is able to get a pretty significant a population to fight its wildfires and to do the most difficult work for very little money. Inmate firefighters are paid a few dollars a day, a little bit extra when they're actually at a fire, but they do not get paid very much money to do this work. So it's pretty clear what the state is getting out of this. And then on the inmate side, as I mentioned, as soon as you step foot in fire camp, your sentence is reduced. 
and you're also getting out of the general population prison. And, um, you know, you're ostensibly getting job training. Now, that side of the bargain for years has been criticized by criminal justice advocates. I mean, these are not people who are doing telemarketing or folding laundry. This is dangerous work, working with uh, very you know, dangerous tools like chainsaws and axes. So I spoke with David Fati uh, from the ACLU, and he really criticized the state program for not having a true pathway for the inmates when they get out of prison, and also for this idea that you really have to be concerned if you're talking about prison labor with exploitation, and in particular with a type of job where people are putting their lives on the line, like people who are fighting fires. Uh, there have been a number of fatalities, both in California and elsewhere among prisoner firefighters. So all of this makes it very important that um, we make sure that prisoners who uh, choose to do this work are making uh, an uncoerced choice and uh, a fully informed choice. This does raise exactly uh, the kinds of concerns about um, exploitation and, uh, and maltreatment that, that are always present uh, when you're talking about uh, prisoner labor. I've talked to a number of inmate firefighters that are so inspired by the job, and the one thing they want to do when they get out is to be a firefighter. And it, it just is a very, very uphill fight. So that side of the bargain has been criticized for a while. I think what the coronavirus has shown this year is the other side of the bargain for the state is starting to fall apart. So this is not a hired, sustainable labor force for the state. You know, this is it's a it's a prison labor force. And, you know, they ha the state is has a responsibility to protect these inmates. So because of the coronavirus ripping through the state prison system, uh, you know, they're they're even if they're potentially exposed, they're on lockdown for two weeks at least. And then on top of that, we've seen the further, uh, you know, the depopulation of the prisons and the collapse of this workforce that the state has relied on for years. And so I think what you're seeing is that this bargain at this moment is just not working on either side. How has this whole situation affected the people who actually are fighting the fires right now? It is. I think it's really hard. I think they're working so hard right now. Uh, you know, like you're hearing about firefighters that are working, you know, shift after shift, basically getting off shift, taking a shower, getting something to eat, something to drink, and then just going right back out. And, you know, also these fires are so erratic. Uh, the way that they grew last week, it was just expanding in many directions, threatening tons of towns and cities all at once. Like, you're not really doing the work of containing a fire. You're just trying to protect people's homes and keep people safe. And so I think that's, I think that's really, really stressful. And I think one other thing I've been thinking about is just like how the people that just don't really get acknowledged for the work in this are people like Samantha, you know, that are out there in the prison fire crews. So the state of California releases people who would otherwise be incarcerated in small prison cells during a pandemic, which sounds incredibly dangerous. But it's also created this significant deficit in this other way. What do you think that this reveals about the system that we've relied on for so long in the state of California? I think it shows you that it, it is brittle.
I think advocates would tell you that the system needs to be refined. Either you need to find another way, more sustainable way, to support the inmate firefighters that are doing this work, especially in getting hired, trained, sustainable jobs when they get out. Or you need to figure out another way to build a system where you're not relying on prison labor to do this incredibly hard work, or at least not relying so much. I, I think that's one thing. And then, that, you know, that's sort of speaking to the, the prison side of the bargain. And speaking to the other side is like the state has got to recognize wildfire season is getting more erratic. It's getting bigger. It's getting like much harder to predict and control. So we have to have a system that matches this new fire regime that we're that we're living through. Kevin, thank you. Yes, thank you. To help fill the gaps, Governor Gavin Newsom asked for firefighting assistance from out of state. And so far, Nevada, Arizona, and Texas have sent fire crews and fire engines to help. The governor has even asked Canada and Australia for help as well. Kevin Stark is a science reporter for KQED. We've got some recommended and related readings about incarcerated folks who fight fires in California. They're in our episode notes, so check them out. This episode of The Bay was produced by Arifi Bandlamuri and Alan Montecilio. The Bay is made at KQED. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. Talk to you Friday. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.